welcome to the Political Party Pooper Playbook. And if you thought all we did was sit around thinking up ways to poop on empty suit politicians, well, you'd be half right. Indeed, this is the P4B. I'm your host, Matt Jordan. Today we'll talk about crime first, and then international trade. We're moving through the 11 points. If you're not otherwise engaged, you can follow along with the podcast in the text below the audio line. But first, it's almost that time again. We just passed the All-Star break. I had intended to bring Ron Corey back before the break to sit down with Sam Peebles from the Braves Dugout podcast. But I was on vacation through the break. But that's okay because the season is definitely heating up. So I'll bring them in next week to compare the Phillies and the Braves, talk about each team's challenges, and maybe take a wider look around the league. So keep an eye out for that one. Ron's shows have been consistently the most popular here. And speaking of vacation, I'm fresh off the road. I and the woman and the dog hopped in a pickup and dragged a fifth wheel to the mountains and then to the beach. We spent a week in Cherokee, North Carolina. There's a footnote. The RV was parked in a place called Happy Holidays RV Resort. It was actually pretty great. They had a great fireworks show on the 4th. My friend Dale and I played a round of golf. He can play the game. I pretend and curse a lot. The only really nice drive I had all day almost hit the party ahead of us, 300 yards away. I never hit 300 yards, unless it is to send the ball three fairways to the right. And I rode a very skittish horse named Rio. We made a deal. He doesn't throw me, and I don't send him to the glue factory. We both survived the experience. I highly recommend the RV park and the town for a cool family vacation. To give you an idea how popular Happy Holidays is... There's a three-year waiting list to park your rig there long-term. We spent the second week at Onslow Beach in Camp Lejeune. This was our second time staying there. They have a great beach. We spent two days with my cousin, Barb, and her husband, Joe. They're both fans of the podcast, and we will do that again next summer. If you are military or DOD civilian, you should consider a cabin or RV stay at Onslow Beach. The only caveat, you are miles from the gate to Jacksonville, Moorhead City, or Sneedsville. But it's worth it. You might even see that as an advantage. I posted cheesy vacation pictures in the text. And before we move on, a quick note about Peter Zihan. Most of the warnings here about demographics and economics are from PZ. Some are mine. The 11 points that I contend must be addressed to move through the coming contractions are mine. That said, while Peter's work is first-rate thinking, and my work is nothing short of brilliant, they are the product of individual thinking. There are always variables that come into play that prognosticators never thought about, but thinkers and populations come up with to mitigate or avoid the predicted difficulties. Let's hope there are a lot of people like that preparing for the near future. And while I do enjoy PZ's work, 
I'm not a blind follower of his thinking. There are areas in which we disagree. I was surprised to learn, for example, that he is an ESG and Davos slash WEF apologist. In a recent post, Zion said Davos was just a big party and that there were eh, good things to consider in ESG. I don't sense an agenda, although there might be one. But I reject his thinking out of hand for two reasons. First, I have clips and quotes throughout this substack of the Davos loonies telling us in their own words exactly what they intend to do to this world and to our lives. It's already happening. Second, our government is shot through with Davos and WEF cult members who are putting ESG into play. They are also rapidly bringing a central bank digital currency, CBDC, online. This is primarily a programmable form of electronic control over all of us. Meanwhile, BlackRock, Vanguard, and other WEF member banks are buying up huge blocks of stock in key industries and wielding incredible power over boardrooms to promote a dull gray life for you and power and wealth for them and the rest of the cult. Come on now. You didn't think Disney and Bud and Target are committing financial suicide because they care a whit about the trans fad, do you? They don't. They get rated by the government and those banks on how much of that shit they publicly pretend to support. And for the record, smart cities, you'll hear more about them as time goes by, courtesy of Davos, will be prisons. The bars will be your cell phone and CBDC. Doubt me not. What I won't go in for is the fallacy that if I disagree with you on point X, then everything else you say is wrong. That is the default position of most of our nation of 12-year-olds. Much of what Zahan warns of is mathematical certainty. No matter your politics, he's worth the read. I'll leave an unpaid link at the end of the text. And if you disagree with any of my 11 points, skip over those. But no thinking person can dismiss all of them. Prepare. One final note before we move on. Last week I had the pleasure of appearing on a Long Live Alternative Parties podcast hosted by my buddy Andrew Broussard. Andrew is a good guy and has guests with some interesting takes on politics. We covered a variety of topics, especially how the GOP field was shaping up. I think you'll enjoy it. In the podcast, I said my URL was .com. That's because I'm an idiot. As you can see above, it is a .us. Just hit the button in the text to hear my interview with Andrew. Now, this is a subject near and dear to my heart. I like to make sawdust. It's one of my favorite things in the world. I have been working in a wood shop for over 40 years now. Um, my first project was a dining room table. It was the ugliest thing you ever saw in your life. It was a big piece of plywood with the little legs that you screw in the bottom. 
a little bit of cheap trim, and what was supposed to be cherry stain. It, it turned out to be this ugly orange table. And when you put a jug of milk on it, everybody had to wait for the table to stop wobbling before they could eat again. It was awful. But, and I've said this to people before, who have, who, people all the way way back when who saw that table, if I had never built that table, I never would have built a bedroom set for my son, Ken. And I never would have built a four-poster black walnut bed for Phil. And Pat wouldn't have gotten his living room set. These are all things that came out really good that I built later because I stuck with it. But the learning curve was brutal. All my drawings were in my head. Uh, anything that was on paper looked like cave drawings that only I would understand. So I came across a program that I wish I had seen a long time ago. Ted's Woodworking Resources. It includes 16,000 plans. I've seen people who would sell plans for, say, Anirondack shares for 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Worth it. If you can, if you can get a plan for an Adirondack chair for 20 bucks and do it the way the plan says you do it, you can make those things and make a lot of money, or you can make a lot of gifts. You can decorate your lawn. To, to pay a few bucks for a set of plans is fine. This is 16,000 plans. And I, I got to tell you, I, I would have paid them for the free stuff. It's going to take me forever and a day just to get through the free stuff because there's things I want to build already in there. Uh, Lynette needs a new chair to sit and read on when she sits outside. Her wicker chair is destroyed. So just going with the freebies is great. And you get the 16,000 plans along with the program. So I would definitely, if you're a woodworker and you want to bring the joy back, just the, just making the sawdust, ripping through the tools, getting the job done, and getting that satisfaction, you definitely need to check out Ted's Woodworking. I would absolutely highly recommend it. I'll leave a button or a link in the text below the audio or video line. Okay, let's talk about crime. I heard it said recently that if the Democrats in our major cities stopped beating and killing each other, violent crime in this country would drop by 90%. I don't know how accurate that is, but I bet it's close. We've become exactly what the ruling class wants us to be. We are wildly divided over issues that are self-evident in their clarity, but we managed to argue over them anyway. That's because so many of us are emotional train wrecks and reject reason for what sounds pithy or woke. We are distracted, not paying attention to the things we should. We have work, Little League, Netflix, and dart tournaments. That works out very well for the political horse. But the thing that politicians need us to be more than anything is to be living in two camps, criminals and frightened sheep. Because we have been conditioned not to fight back, criminals and political whores thrive. People walk through their day itching to get into conflict, while others will do anything to placate the violent and the obnoxious. This is why our cities have been turned into shitholes. 
more dangerous than Fallujah or Basra ever were for decades. The political whores sucked up money from state and federal government or directly out of your pocket and created sham programs to, quote, fight crime. It's all lip service. They were never intended to work. You are easier to control if you're frightened. And criminals are convenient for political whores who want to keep you frightened. Now they don't even hide their agenda. Left-wing DAs funded by scum, often foreign scum, now state outright that they have no intention of fighting crime on a real level. They have no intention of clearing the streets of worthless criminals or homeless or addicts who shit on our sidewalks. But God help you if you do, then they'll bring the full weight of the law down on your head. That would be because you'd be messing with the disgusting dystopia that feeds their wealth and power. Can't have that. They are actively building a world where there will be no sense of good or evil. They're actively building a world based on violence and ignorance. It works for them. So crime is another area we must fix. The coming market shortages and demographic collapse should work out to be minor inconveniences in this country. We should be able to get through it in relatively good shape compared to the rest of the world. But with the criminal shit, emboldened by politicians who rely on the existence of the criminal shit, any blip in the supply of goods, any energy problems experienced, also an invention of the political wars, any disturbance in our day-to-day life will be seen as an opportunity for the criminal class. Any consumable we value will become a black market commodity. We already have inner city gangs moving into the suburbs. This problem will grow exponentially in the present criminal justice system. So, in order to see the other 10 of the 11 points to successful conclusions, we must radically alter our attitudes about crime and criminals and do so quickly. Every citizen who wishes to live safely and peacefully must make the lives of their local and state politicians unpeaceful. We must get very loud at council meetings at the town and county level. Do you remember the Loudoun County parents who stood up for their kids at the school board meetings last year? They got changes made. Some were elected to that very board and to county boards of supervisors. They were loud and persistent, but most importantly, they showed up. To do these things, we might have to give up a few rounds of golf. We might have to make carpool arrangements for Little League. We might have to DVR our favorite movies. But we need to get in the faces of the complacent ruling class and make it clear their days in power are going to be very short if things don't turn around very quickly. We must, as a group, demand and secure the resignation or dismissal of the prosecutors and DAs who refuse to do their job. We must vote for politicians who have no intention of coddling violent criminals. We must also vote for people who will take a bulldozer to tent cities 
force the people in them to clean up their act or live in institutions rebuilt for that purpose. For the nonviolent addict who gets into trouble with the law or the homeless guy who doesn't know how to come by assistance, we can show compassion. And that doesn't extend to letting them sleep on the street. That is not compassion. It is social suicide, as many major cities have learned in recent decades. But to the violent criminal, we owe no compassion. We don't owe them a comfortable cell. We don't owe them a TV. We don't owe them a weight room. We can provide books that impart real knowledge and perhaps even an education or a trade. But those must be earned and should be very expensive in terms of good behavior. Bad behavior must be punished harshly in full view of the prison population. But it doesn't stop there. Any official who breaks the rules in the disposition of criminals must mandatorily spend his sentence among the same population. Cops and officials who take bribes from any criminals, regardless of the color of the collar, should get the same treatment. In fact, the dirty cop should do time in prison in a uniform with the word cop stenciled on the back of the uniform. And yes, because I know many of you out there are going there, we need to be as severe on those who commit white-collar crimes as well. In the world we're moving into, these bastards will do more damage to the system and to huge numbers of lives than any street scum would do. But the visible crime, the crime that does the most psychological damage to the citizen, that tears at the fabric of society, is done by the scum in our streets. But what about nonviolent street crime? Do we go after that with the same urgency as other crimes? Well, I would say there might be a matter of degree here. Violent offenders need to go away for a long time. I would also say that the constant thievery and vandalism plaguing our businesses and institutions is more per pernicious than all the rest. Of all the criminal activity exacerbated by weak and corrupt DAs, it's the punk thief and the addict looking for an easy fix that does the most damage of all. On its face, it may seem nickel and dime, but it is constant and perpetrators are ever more brazen. Earlier I mentioned things ending up on the black market. It's already happening in a world of relative plenty. And items in short supply are huge tar targets of petty crime scumbags. When you see a video of these punks tearing through a store unmolested, leaving with bags of merchandise, where do you think that ends up? It goes on eBay. They aren't stealing bread to feed their desperate family. They're scum. And there's no one to arrest the scum. If someone gets shot in front of a store near Union Square in San Francisco, it's tragic. And the cops are called to investigate. But you don't then close the store. But if your employees hear gunshots every damn day and have to walk around human feces going to and from work, you close. And if your stores are vandalized every day and your property is stolen every goddamn day, you close. I would submit the latter is more expensive for the store. And that is exactly what's happening in San Francisco. 
major employers and tax generators are leaving. They have to. And the city that was once a beautiful place becomes a little shittier with each closing. There have been many. While each perp has to own his own actions and should be severely punished by society, it is the political whores across the country who are actively facilitating the chaos. And then they pretend to be the answer to the problem while facilitating more. They don't care about you. They don't fear you. Perhaps it's time you taught them to. The tolerance of scum must end. The scum on the streets, the scum in our financial system, and the scum in political office. How we dispose of the scum should weigh heavily on the minds of those considering any kind of offense. Right now, it doesn't. That's what must change now. One of the most direct ways the P4B is supported is through Poe River Furniture and Yard Games. I won't get too specific about who runs Poe River, but he's really good looking and his initials are Matt Jordan. There are a number of one-of-a-kind pieces that I created, including very nice wine stoppers and what I call recycled palette art. There's also a huge selection of gifts that I designed and had made off-site. Occasionally, you will see yard games listed. That will depend on how often this podcast allows me to be in the shop. I'll leave a link or a button below so you can shop Poe River. Let's talk about trade policies. This is yet another area we should win in a walk. But with the bag of dicks we have running the show right now, we could end up getting dinged pretty good as things unravel. In his book, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, by Zihan, there's a footnote. Zihan points out, in terms of supply and consumption internationally, we peaked in 2019. There will not be a bigger, better year than 2019 for a long time. That in itself is not a very big deal. The boomers are aging out, The population is not growing by leaps and bounds, except for the illegal hordes crossing our border. So in itself, we shouldn't worry, right? Wrong. When I was in the Navy, we were taught that the Navy's primary mission was to keep the sea lanes open for free trade for everyone. And for almost 60 years, we did exactly that. But we have let that mission slide. Every year, we're less and less interested and continuing to do that for other countries. So the movement of goods between aging and less productive populations is not only shrinking, it will become more dangerous at sea. Don't believe me? Okay, show of hands. Who doesn't think that if left to their own devices, Ukraine wouldn't sink the first Russian oil tanker they could get to? I'm including sabotage on open waters, or in foreign waterways. And those are not the only unfriendly actors on the stage. Their conflict is just hotter than most others. Due to factors other than age, European productivity is dancing on the edge of a cliff right now, mostly as a result of unfortunate energy policies. 
The EU is soon to become a memory. Scotland might still break with the United Kingdom. Brexit is already in the rear view. And China is headed for the industrial dung heap. Old alliances and trade relationships are about to become very fluid. Previously reliable supply lines will have gaps if they even continue to exist. This will be a major challenge to governments and people. It's the reason I wrote the 11 points. We need a much more mature, resilient society and a nimble economy in order to get through the tough times ahead or to make them less tough. That said, there's an opportunity here. If we can find competent representatives to exploit the mess on our behalf. On my podcast episode called Walking with Giants with Patricia DiGennaro, I hit on an idea that could have real legs. If it works, I want full credit in the history books. It has to do with new trade relationships. The Brits, post-Brexit, are still seeking solid trade partners. Leave aside that they chose to pull the plug on the EU while the old order was unraveling. Their remaining in the EU would have staved off the worst of the slide only for a year or two. It's even possible the UK was just the first rat off a sinking ship. We have a good relationship with them already. I think we should grab a blanket and some nice wine and seriously canoodle the island nation. Great Britain still sits atop a huge commonwealth of nations. They have trade and cultural connections that can either thrive or wither on the vine as international trade and exchange of value becomes tenuous. I think the U.S. should propose an expansive free trade network where we become the biggest, most powerful member and customer of the Commonwealth of Nations. And why not? Lots of former colonies, now independent, are loyal members. They can all continue to bow and scrape to King Chuck. But the important result will be a viable alternative to the dying global order. Many of the most important members are already existing allies, so maritime security would be easy to provide. We could continue to grow our influence and trade with other important countries as well. Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, Vietnam, the Philippines, Turkey, if they're smart enough, can grow and trade with Commonwealth plus one or crash with the rest of the trading world. But all this requires real heavy lifting. The repatriation of industry already started a little in the United States has to really take off now. We need to retool and relearn how to manufacture our own stuff on a power grid that doesn't rely on tinker toys. We need to rebuild our steel industry with the technology we created and the rest of the world uses now. Microtechnology and medicine must be viewed as strategic assets and brought here. Agriculture must return to the creation of food, meat, and vegetables. We must stop putting food in our gas tanks. It's never worked as advertised anyway. And the nuts crying about cow farts and that awful fertilizer must be ignored. They are a threat to our national security. 
ESG must be rejected from the economy and government. It's an assault on your personal liberty and stands in the way of all of the 11 points we seek to address. What we should not do and what the puppet masters running the present administration seem to be doing is prop up China. We need to educate China about the future. Xi Jinping has psychologically gone fishing. China has cities that are nearly uninhabited because they went on a building spree unsupported by population growth. We need China just long enough to spin up the factories here and elsewhere to replace Chinese factories. Then we cut them loose to sink or swim. They need to kiss our asses if they want anything from us. And we need to wreck Iran's nuke program. Just because B. Hussein wanted to be the Muslim American savior who gave Shia the bomb doesn't mean we have to go along with it. This has been a foreign policy embarrassment for the U.S. for a decade now. Iran must be isolated. Regime change should be our announced policy. And yes, we would be repeating history. Hopefully we won't have another Jimmy Carter around in the White House at a critical point. Be sure to use all the buttons at the top and bottom of the text. We live and die by the share and subscribe buttons. Send inquiries to poriverproductions at gmail.com. Thank you very much for joining us today.